What the If is brought to you by listeners like you. Thanks to our Patreon members, patreon.com slash whattheif. Go there now and find out how you can become a member and get all kinds of cool rewards. And thank you for supporting our mission for science education and science fun. Welcome to What the If? Question mark edition. <laughs> By default. Question mark. I think it's always question mark edition, but you know, sometimes I want to throw a just throw things for a loop. Uh, well, it's Friday should, the 13th. We should just choose yeah. a different punctuation mark each episode. Oh, that'd be good. Um, <laughs> so next week will be left parenthesis and then yeah. ampersand. I can't wait for a curly bracket. Oh, that'll be that's left be curly bracket. It'd be yeah. great. It'll it'll send our computers. You know, it'll be some malicious script starts running on your computer. Um, that is, uh, I am Philip Shane, documentary filmmaker, um, and uh, that voice you heard was from Professor Matthew Stanley, historian of science um, at mark. New York yeah. question mark historian of science at New York University. Uh, how are you, sir? How is your Friday the Thirteenth going so far? We've had nothing. We've <laughs> had a million. It's been pretty technical. exciting so far. Yeah, yeah. We had a lot of technical difficulties getting. Just listeners, you should just know that getting to you today wasn't. You know, some days, some days it's a walk in the park. Other days, not. So I don't know what it was. A Sisyphean nightmare. <laughs> Unrelated to that, uh, or wholly related to that, we also have with us Gabby Panicia, uh, virologist from Rockefeller University. <clears throat> How is your uh, Friday, the, Friday the 13th in the virology lab? Must be a fun experience. I, I'm really, really praying it does not muck with my experiment today. I have one of those oh. big like five-hour experiments I have to set up where I'm just going to be in the tissue culture hood for a very long amount of time. And grad students regularly complain about the one last experiment. And it's the one thing that they need to do to like cap off their <clears throat> thesis or a paper and that's me right now. I have yeah. this one last experiment that has taken me over like a month of assorted optimizations. And every mm. time I repeat it, I'm like, this will be the one. I'll get it now. <laughs> this is totally going to be the one where it works. And spoiler alert, every single time, it has not been the one that worked. I've gotten closer, and I yeah. definitely feel like it's getting better. Um, that's science But maybe starting one of those ones on Friday the 13th is just not going to end well for me. Who knows? It may be a tragedy of errors. I booked more time in the hood than I may need. In the um, hood. <laughs> in the hood. Uh, just so that in case uh, everything blows up on us the same way that our microphones elected to this morning, yeah. I'll have the time to deal with it appropriately. <clears throat> yeah. And I'd love to know if anyone out there also uses Shure microphones, which most people do. If you have a microphone, if you do a podcast, they all went crazy. They all went berserk today. Something has something happened in the background. Um, so, uh, what does that mean, by the way? In the hood, are you actually in 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 a hood? <laughs> what? No, it, I mean it's like my hands are in the hood. It's it's like uh -huh, a uh -huh, uh -huh. imagine a desk with a roof yeah. and like a glass plane mm -hmm. in front of it. And so right. you slide your hands in under the plane and there's a circulating field of air in there that's keeping everything sterile and running everything through a HEPA filter at the top. Right. Um, kind of like you have the above idea your is, stove, you know. Like yeah, a stove yeah, yeah. And then it, yeah. 
it sort of comes down kind of in your face a little. So it's like a stove with like a, a big sneeze guard kind of. <laughs> you'll see on a salad bar. Yeah. And much like the salad bar, you just stick your hands underneath that and ah. grab what you want and see through the glass. Um, fun fact, if you actually sneeze while you're at the hood, the number of times I've sneezed and banged my head against the front <laughs> of the hood because that sort of like inclination of your head will put you up against the glass. And wow. I think I tend to work a little closer to the glass than most people. So I, I once had a cold and went to work and I kept, I had to like wipe down the glass afterwards because there were all these little <laughs> circular forehead prints where I sneezed. And <laughs> that happens to me at the salad bar too, you know. Yeah, I can I understand. I understand. But then when you said you had to spend five hours, do you have to spend five hours with your hands in the thing or you, you just leave yeah. your stuff? Wow. You stand I mean, like, there for five hours. I, well, I'm in a chair, but yeah. Uh -huh. wow. um, I mean, sometimes I can take a break. Sometimes there's good stopping points and then I just leave my stuff in there and I come back. But it's it's for the most part, like you are working in that environment like you would be working on a desk and doing your science on there. It's just that everything you're working with has to be kept sterile. So a lot of times there's annoying extra steps involved in making sure and that everything you're working with is continued to be kept sterile. Um, and like, you know, you have to spray everything with ethanol, like, you know, and put it in there so that it, you know, gets rid of all the gunk on it, bacteria, what have you. Um, so it's a lot of just kind of sitting there doing your work and Sometimes it's a little hard to stop. Like some things, if you just kind of leave them in the hood, you're working with live cells. So if you just leave them in the hood and go dip for an hour for lunch, they're they're not going to be too happy with you when you come back. So there's some steps <laughs> that like if you start that step, you have to keep going until you've uh, yeah. finished to step six. And then step six, you can take a break. Yeah. Um, and you don't take a break at step six and you don't have another one until step 18 or something like that. <laughs> Amazing. Somebody's got to make a group, a hip hop group called Cells in the Hood. I think that'd be no, that's a good plan. That'd be a good thing. Um, this week we have a uh, fantastic idea sent into us. Now this this idea may have been cook, cooked up in a hood, you know, because uh, safety first to all our listeners who, who, if you're working on what the if ideas you want, if you ifs as we call them, just if if you're working on an if you're cooking up an if, do it in a safety hood, you know. Always make sure don't sneeze on it. Keep it sterile, mm -hmm. as sterile as possible, and then send it into us. And I'm sure Dan followed all the proper um, protocols. This is from Dan Munline, our uh, longtime listener and uh, multiple-time uh, uh, submitter of fantastic ideas for What the If shows. And Dan is in uh, Colorado, if you're still in the same place you were last time, Dan. But I know, you know, people move about, especially out west. You know, you might be sort of on the range. You might wind up in different places. Um, and Dan... Uh, Dan sends another really uh, a super imaginative idea. Uh, if you have an idea, if this causes you to have an idea, send it to us. You can just go to our website, whattheif.com, and click contact. Shoot us a note. And Dan did just that. And he asks, um, what would be the best way to make Venus more habitable? So Dan must be looking to uh, relocate, perhaps for work. You know, mm -hmm. who knows? Or just <laughs> vacation. I don't know. And he says, uh, Dan says, it seems like we need, <laughs> the first thing he notices, uh, and this is this is absolutely correct, it seems like we need to reduce the thickness of the atmosphere. So yes. we'll, we'll talk about what, what Venus is like for those who don't know. But he, uh, uh, and he has some ideas. I'll, we'll get to his ideas actually in a bit. So first, let's just sort of set the stage. So basically Dan is wondering, Dan's looking up in the sky and the sky in Colorado is astounding, especially in western Colorado, where I think yeah. Dan is. Mm -hmm. 
and especially in the West, when you look towards the West, and um, I believe Dan is on the Western side of the Rockies. So when he looks towards, the, if this is correct, when he looks towards the West, the Rockies are behind him. So he sees the sun setting over the, uh, the, towards the West Coast as it was coming down. And Venus would be very prominent, right? Very often uh, in the evening. Uh, yeah, that's right. So you see it either in the evening or um, uh, at sunrise because yeah. it's, uh, Venus sticks close to the sun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, perhaps because of that, it's very hot. That's one thing we know about Venus, right? It's very hot. Yeah, it's actually the hottest surface in the solar system um, other than the sun. That's all. Wow. Um, wow. And that's kind of crazy when you think about it, because even though Mercury is like right next to the sun, um, yeah. Venus is still hotter than that. Um, wow. And that's because, and this Carl Sagan used to point this out, this may be an object lesson to us, um, Venus has a runaway greenhouse effect. That is, most of its atmosphere is carbon dioxide. So the reason it's super hot is the same reason it was hot here in September. Um, it's just had a few extra million years to accelerate that process. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, we're going to announce our if now. And so everyone should uh, prepare, um, whether you're at the hood or not. I'm not sure. Where, wherever you are going to work on, you know, wherever you're going to experience this if. Uh, Matt, could you help us understand what uh, kind of safety protocols people should do? Uh, well, Connect. today we need some pretty serious safety protocols, actually. Yes. <laughs> um, because we're likely to be dumping ourselves into an extremely dangerous environment. Um, so let's see here. Um, Gabby, will Papper help with <laughs> clouds of sulfuric acid? The Papper only helps with a very limited range of things. I think we all just kind of got fixed on that because it sounds funny. It uh, sounds kind of funny, yeah. I mean, your whole problem is Venus's entire atmosphere, and I don't think a HEPA filter helps. All right. Yeah, Pepper, Pepper just, by the way, the, uh, is, is the, the fan that goes above your butt. Mm. And that's why I thought it was funny. <laughs> yeah, it's a portable fan belt that we use when we're working with airborne viruses. Or, like, not airborne, but uh, viruses that can spread through aerosols. Yeah. Uh, because it has a filter in the fan, and so it purifies your air from All the environment. Right. Yeah, that's not going to But help it's not you. your own air system. All right, yeah, so everybody needs to like go to their garage and get their mechanized body armor um, Ooh, because we cool. need to deal with crushing pressures and scorching temperatures and enormously corrosive gases. So if we can just, we'll just pause for a moment while everybody goes to get their, their armor. Okay, everybody's armored up. I think we are, we are ready to go for our, our if then. All right, and now here comes the fanfare that will tell us once at the end of the, the other side of this fanfare that's about to play, we are on Venus. And we ask, what the if? We could make Venus more habitable. Maybe air-conditioned. AM and FM radio, perhaps? Maybe a swimming pool. A swimming pool that has like a little bar in it that you can sit in the pool. You can stay in the pool and sit at the little martini bar. So Dan wants to buy, wants to buy, wants to buy, wants to build a spa on Venus, perhaps. Uh, here, I'm going to throw out one of the, Dan had a number of interesting suggestions for how to possibly do this. And the first one he asked was, uh, 
he had mentioned, seems we need to reduce the thickness of the atmosphere. And so he says, uh, what if we could drive some of the atmosphere off by passing meteorites really close by or slamming them into the planet? So is that part of the solution, do you think? Thick, thinning the atmosphere, perhaps? Yeah, it? so we probably need to take a minute to explain why uh, Venus is not um, the top of your Airbnb options. Um, <laughs> so uh, as I, we already mentioned, um, the atmosphere is mostly carbon dioxide, which means you can't breathe it, but that's no big deal. I mean, right. subway, right? Um, uh, <laughs> but the carbon dioxide atmosphere means that it's had a runaway greenhouse effect for a very long period of time. Um, so it's extremely hot, um, first off. Um, so, um, let's hear something like, uh, just looking this up, uh, 800 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. Um, so that's so wow. super hot just from the greenhouse effect essentially. Um, and then there's a lot of that carbon dioxide. So the amount of, um, atmospheric pressure is 93 atmospheres. Um, so that's bananas. Um, you <laughs> will, uh, that'll crush you. Um, instantly. Wow. And in fact, this happened to the, the first spacecraft that was ever landed on Venus was the um, Soviet Venera spacecraft. Mm -hmm. um, and it survived for about two hours before it was crushed by the air pressure. Mm. Um, and then, um, and that's just at the surface. And then the clouds are made of sulfuric acid. Wow. So it's a bad, it's a bad, bad place. Like you might think Newark is a bad place. Venus is oh. a really bad place. Oh, shots yeah. fired at Newark. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we can, we can do Staten Island instead if you prefer. But, um, no, no, no. Let Newark get it. Let, there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so all of these problems in, in some sense come back to the fact that there's just too much atmosphere. Um, so I think this is the, the, the reason for this being our, our terraforming plan is if we can just yeah. get rid of some of that atmosphere, um, then that would help. This is not so easy to do though. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, cause what about thinking, what a, a giant mm -hmm. Dyson vacuum cleaner? That would be fine. We can do this, but the, <laughs> the, you know, so the scale, so Venus is roughly the same size as earth, um, roughly speaking. Oh. Um, and I guess we don't often think about this, is our atmosphere is held in place by gravity. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that's pretty important for us. So like one of the reasons Mars has such a thin atmosphere is that it doesn't have much gravity. So even if you dump a huge amount of air onto Mars, it's going to leak away pretty quickly. So, um, so Venus holds onto its atmosphere. So giant Dyson, maybe it would have to be like the size of a planet. So that's probably not right. so practical. Um, yeah. So yeah, because by the way, if yeah. you were just using a vacuum on the surface, mm -hmm. that wouldn't work either. It would no, because be... then the atmosphere is still there, right? It's exactly. just inside here. So then yeah. you'd have to strap your filled vacuum to a rocket and launch huh. that to get out of Venus's um, gravity. Right. Um, and it still costs about... Um, something's weight in gold to get it um, off the surface of a planet Whoa. like ours. So yeah. that's probably not a very practical plan. Right. Um, uh, and then gases are just hard to manipulate, right? So, so we got to, I don't know, think outside the box a little bit for how to remove vast amounts of, of atmosphere. So Dan has, this, Dan has an out-of-the-box injection, mm -hmm. and it's out of a very big box. Yeah. And he says... Um, 
Um, if passing, if perhaps using passing meteorites wouldn't work, um, what if we threw a planetoid like Pluto or Eris or even Mercury into or nearly into Venus? What if we were able to drive off one quarter of the planet? What if we could reduce Venus? So now, okay, so he says, so here's Dan's basically saying, okay, so give up on the atmosphere thing. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's gravity that holds the atmosphere. So basically, what if we could reduce the size of the planet? Would that help by by bashing it with other planets? Mm-hmm. What do you think of this idea? Uh, um, yeah, it's not a bad plan, actually. Uh, well, I mean, it's bad if you live on Pluto or Eros, <laughs> I guess. Um, uh, and I think this this is the major plot point in the early part of the Expanse novels gabby have you read the expanse ones yet i can't remember yeah, the eros that they crash it's into er- yeah it's eros okay. yes. that they crash yes. into venus um yes. and in the books the eros is sort of taken over by an alien organism so we That's don't right. have to actually follow that um but so so the scenario that we're imagining here is probably similar to the one um that happened to the earth a few billion years ago um and that gave us our moon all right so best guess for how our moon formed is that a planetoid probably roughly the size of size of pluto um smashed into the very early earth um drove off huge amounts of crud um and that uh, that material settled down in orbit and formed our moon from there so we're looking for a scenario um like that um, so that might work. So this would actually, if, if we, we aim it right and it's about the right size, um, we could blast off a, a quarter of the chunk, oh, uh, a quarter of the size of, of Venus. Um, and then presumably Venus would get a moon. It doesn't have a moon right now. It's very jealous of the other planets in the solar system because yeah. it doesn't have a moon. Um, you'd think that the goddess of love would have lots of, of moons, right? Of followers, uh, but, but no. True. Nothing. Well, sometimes those goddesses, they can be a, they can be a bit aloof. Um, well, yeah, that's probably so, true. maybe that's yeah. actually what's going on there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Intimid- so intimidated we... all the other moons. <laughs> they were afraid to approach. <laughs> oh, she's just so pretty. Yeah, I, can't, I could never <laughs> ask her out. Yeah, yeah. By the way, the 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 indignity of Pluto, having already been unceremoniously bounced from the uh, International Astronomical Union name nomenclature or whatever it was, mm-hmm. so they decided Pluto was a dwarf planet, not a Pluto. Then, then we just trashed. We literally trashed the planet. By smashing it into Venus, you know. Um, uh, but spectacular sight. From from Earth, that would be quite the sight, wouldn't that? Uh, that would be quite the sight, actually. That would Venus be... would have mm-hmm. rings, in fact. Uh, that's right, until the rings settle down into a moon, if that's what we're, we're hoping for. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that might so this might solve some of our problems. Um, in that Venus's um, I mean, we'd lose some atmosphere from the impact. Uh, but more importantly, we've reduced the gravity of uh, Venus now. Um, so uh, some of that uh, atmosphere can can bleed off um, uh, with time. Right. Um, so that could be handy. Um, right. Problem there is the light gases will escape first. Um, mm. So that means, so big molecules like sulfuric acid will still stick around. Um, so we might actually increase the percentage of sulfuric acid. Gabby, what do you think? I did have a thought about handling the sulfuric acid. It's not necessarily the most feasible, but once you get into like the chemical space of something like this, I started thinking about, well, you need it gone. And if we have difficulty removing it, can you react it? 
in order Ooh, to make something mm. that's less toxic. Yeah. Um, so sulfuric acid tends to hold on to water. You can't really dehydrate it, but you can react it with, it, it is itself dehydrating. So it will remove water from things in order to react with the other thing. And what I found is that a common thing that they use to demonstrate this is actually table sugar because it will mm -hmm. release carbon and let off water. Oh. So, and it, it releases solid carbon. It doesn't release carbon dioxide. It releases like a, um, have you ever seen like those carbon snake reactions? The thing where it just forms like that oh, really like, long yeah. black tube. That's essentially what would be created by this kind of reaction. So, but it would release water. So well, that's perfect because we don't, yeah, we don't have any water on the surface anyway. So that's perfect. We're getting yeah. a weird echo oh. now. Is that right? Do you hear a weird echo? Mm -hmm. Gabby, do you want to turn your echo cancellation on and off again? Cool. So Gabby, you were saying sulfuric acid reacts with, you were going to react it with water perhaps or something table, to table sugar, table sugar, table mm -hmm. sugar and yielding water, which is even, which is really ah. better. Yeah. I happen to live down the street from the old, it's, it's now sadly, well, it's retired and it's getting converted into offices, but a massive factory, uh, which was the Domino Sugar Factory. Um, so I guess all the Domino <laughs> Sugar you have was came out of this uh, Yeah, that's right. So building. we need enormous amounts. Um, so maybe that will fix the obesity problem too. Um, oh, if great. we just <laughs> gather up all the sugar on earth and dump yes. it on the surface of Venus. It reacts with like sugar, with starch. With, so if we just start throwing like organic waste, maybe? I, I, oh, that's I mean, great. So, so this takes us back to Staten Island again. Perfect. Yeah. So we just, <laughs> um, we take all of our compost <laughs> and all of our organic waste um, uh, from the earth and drop it onto Venus. That'd be great. And right. you said it, it forms that cool carbon snake reaction thing. Mm -hmm. um, so for those who don't know, Staten Island is home to uh, the Fresh Kills Landfill. Mm -hmm. um, the name is a bizarre name for anything, but especially a landfill. But it's some old Dutch name, Fresh Kills. Yeah. And uh, anyway, it was, I believe, one, I don't know, the largest landfill in the world for a long period of time. It was uh, a mountain of garbage that was actually one of the tallest mountains uh, on uh, the East Coast, or in the world, I don't know, some, something like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going full chat GPT here and making up statistics. But um, <laughs> <laughs> it was, it's big. It was big. And it was, it was closed down a number of years ago. And it's actually being turned into a really beautiful park. Nonetheless, there is a mountain of garbage, mountain-sized mountain of garbage uh, underneath the uh, uh, ground in Staten Island. So you're saying we could, we could move that to... Uh, so, what, so what, Elon Musk opens up like a... A rocket base on Staten Island, or or maybe in Newark, to maybe in you Newark, know, yeah. a little liven up life in Newark, and uh, barges take enormous amounts of garbage away from Staten Island uh, and uh, put them onto rockets and send it to Venus. Is that what you're saying? We, that, so I we, think that's so what we're shooting for. Yeah, dumping garbage on Venus. Would... Well, you know, not every type of garbage is going to be reactive. Okay. Things like table sugar, uh, starch, cellulose, like plant material might do it because of some of like the complex carbon-carbon interactions it would be able to mm. take water out of. So things like our plastic bags or empty milk jugs, probably not. Right. But it is amusing for me to consider the thought of like taking all these green compostable scraps, using thousands and thousands of tons of 
burnt fuel to eject them into the atmosphere and then send them into an unhabitable planet. So the process of making our planet less habitable in order to make an unhabitable planet more habitable is kind of that's amazing to me. That's, that's pretty that's great, okay. actually. I like that. That's the, <laughs> ultimate, the ultimate recycling plan. So what about whenever I think of landfills, I think of all the newspapers in there. Um, is newspapers Those are long fibers. Yeah, would that work? Yeah, okay. that would do it. Yeah, newspaper would do it. So all the Daily News, all the New York Times, plus mm -hmm. the old newspapers that don't even exist anymore. Uh, yeah, maybe this will save the newspaper industry, actually. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Make print newspapers so we can throw them away on so Venus. We can throw them <laughs> on Venus. <laughs> well, if we decide to be a little bit more sustainable, I will say that yeah. I think we have we've have, as human beings, messed around with the concept of growing plants in space. Uh, yep. Yeah. So to have some small operation that grows, I don't know, sugarcane, kudzu, something <laughs> like that, and then when a crop is ready, just launches it at Venus. Not even very fast, right? As long as it eventually gets to where it's yeah, going. Yeah, that's right. There's yeah. no rush. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. So just slow over the generations launching of matter at this extremely inhospitable planet uh, to get rid of some of the toxic atmosphere. I mean, granted, I do not know the math involved in changing the atmosphere of an entire planet and reacting however much sulfuric acid that is there. It might take us a hot minute and a lot of plants. It might be, but I think hot, probably worth hot. it. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, because we get a whole other planet out of this, that's that's a big win. It's big win. Yeah. Um, uh, so but the... So the whole surface of Venus is going to be covered with these gigantic writhing carbon snakes um, that are spitting out, um, you know, uh, fountains of water, which is pretty cool. Um, so explain, explain the carbon. I'm not familiar with the carbon snake. Oh, so snake. this is, um, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a, a demonstration that you see in, in chem classes a lot where you, mm. you dump these particular chemicals together. Um, like handfuls of chemicals and then it turns into um like a fire hose like that scale of things that <laughs> shoots up into the air instantly suddenly wow so it looks like one of those old um spring-loaded snake canisters you remember uh -huh. those you old yeah. enough for those yeah. um and depending on how much chemical you put in there it can be 20 30 feet long um and wow. it just comes rocketing out of the um uh, out of the beaker it's it's quite a thing to look for we should find i'll we'll try to find a good youtube of it and and post it yeah um but if it's plant oh wait did we lose gabby again oh gabby you're muted oh sorry i there did that go. when i was gonna sneeze That's um, right. <laughs> it's just this black carbon spike that just comes straight up it's highly recommend you google it it's really cool it's also, oh, it's cool black see, yeah. instead of it's not fire or something. It's black, a black no, carbon. It's, uh, yeah, it's um, it's black, so like uh, ash, essentially. Ah, oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. um, so you're, but, but you, you're saying it would be water instead of carbon, black carbon. Well, no, water. it would be releasing water. Um, so I don't know how, what form the water appears in. If it would be steam uh, or, or liquid water or vapor. Yeah, it'd probably be steam at first. Mm -hmm. I think at it least while the surface is hot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so and I then think, at some think, point it would start to rain. Dan's development plan, first of all, Dan, you know, having, first of all, Dan purchased Venus at a cheap price because, you know, That's everyone true. said it's worthless. And he's like, uh -huh, yeah, and he, he secretly had this plan. And um, then uh, while it will take a while to do this uh, terraforming project that we're doing, uh, the process of turning it into, make it somewhat more Earth-like, um, 
you could sell a lot of tourist tickets just to go watch the uh, the garbage and the, the sugar <laughs> and oh, this, totally. the yeah, water. I, I don't know. All that. this crazy stuff going on would be really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be the health. whole surface of the planet covered in the writhing carbon snakes. That would be <laughs> an amazing thing to see. Mm-hmm. Amazing. That or I would hope it gets to look like something cool like that as opposed to just the winds blasting it apart and just a bunch of really black ash and crappy snow. Yeah, that would kind of suck. Um, although I should say, actually, if it does blow apart into ash and soot, that's actually going to help our project too, because if that stay, if huh? that ash stays high in the atmosphere, um, uh, that'll cause a cooling effect by blocking sunlight. Um, right. so that'll help reverse some of the, the greenhouse effect. So if we play, if we play our cards right, we might be able to get a double, we get a twofer, um, off of this plan and cool yeah. down the surface a little more. Wow, this is great. So basically just, it, and it's the, a fantastic recycling project for Earth. Like yeah, it genuinely right. is. Genuinely mm-hmm. would be worthwhile. Um, we'd be, and, and in fact, then there'd be no need for us to try to make less trash. We'd be encouraged to make more trash. Um, life on Earth would change profoundly. Right? Help the I Venusians. mean, again, you got to launch it. You got to launch it into space. So I don't know how much the recycling is offset by the gigantic <laughs> amounts of fuel you have oh, yeah. to burn to launch it into space. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's hopefully, you fun. know, yeah, hopefully we we devise that. But again, that could force us to devise a more efficient launch system, which we want to do anyway. So we could it could be a space elevator. It could be a maglev mm-hmm. launcher or some such similar more kind of thing. So eventually now how is uh, the last phase is it needs to get to we need to somehow get to a spa where we're sitting in the pool with the little bar that's in the pool where the right the martini we don't have to get out of the pool to get our martinis. Um, how are we going to get from writhing carbon snakes garbage covered ash skies of Venus to uh, club Venus? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe i can i think i have a potential right, idea right like yeah. so if we've made a water it's at the point that this is raining down on the surface of venus already we've got mm. i think most of the planet would probably be covered in water then if we've uh, depending sort of, on how much we get yeah i mean we could certainly arrange for that yeah so at the very least there's going to be enough water for you to probably have your beachside club venus yeah. Um, and then the next thing that I'm thinking about is maybe sort of the early Earth atmosphere thing, oh, like yeah. sort of mm-hmm. going back in the toolkit to what existed on Earth when we didn't really have an oxygen atmosphere. So for context, originally, m- we didn't really have as much oxygen in the atmosphere as we do now. And the advent of photosynthetic organisms actually kind of killed off a lot of other things. Uh, that kind of photosynthetic algae. I don't think it was an algae yet. Um, it was a cyanobacteria, I think was the yeah, kind right. of thought of what it was. Uh, something that's essentially able to absorb light and be photosynthetic in that way, but doesn't have chloroplasts like a plant. Uh, essentially, they released so much oxygen that it killed off a lot of other stuff in, the, in on Earth at the time. Because oxygen yeah, is, yeah. is uh, well, it's an oxidizer. It, it's chemically very reactive. And a lot of other things on the planet were not really used to that. And there's literally a band in in on the Earth that marks that great oxygenation event. It's a bright red band where all of the iron on the surface of the Earth rusted. Oh, nice. So you, you can tell in the geologic timescale where this was. Wow, but wow. taking a sort of page from that book, right, is that 
we have all this carbon dioxide in the air. We have now water. Can you stick some cyanobacteria on there and let them chug away for a couple hundred thousand million years and let them throw oxygen into the air? And luckily for us, these are things with really fast generation times. So if some of them make it and survive, they might be able to, over the course of a million years, evolve to be better suited to a Venusian atmosphere. And I'm sure us on Earth cranking away studying extremophiles, those types of bacteria and archaea that live in really outrageous environments that nothing else is really built to tolerate, we could potentially create like a cyanobacteria that we think, or a suite of them that we think would be primed to survive on Venus for this and launch them out there and hope they really do survive and, and start changing the planet for us. Awesome. Oh, oh. <laughs> and the crazy echo is back. All right, this is a good plan. Yeah, so it's just yeah. a steady stream of rockets full of sugar and garbage and newspapers and cyanobacteria. Um, and, you know, no particular rush. I think a couple hundred thousand years is a reasonable time frame for this. I mean, human yeah. beings are really good at planning long term. Um, so I think we'll, um, so, so we'll, we'll have Dan sipping his martini um, uh, before the death of the sun. Yeah. And, you know, all, all uh, construction projects go longer than you think they would. So a couple hundred million years, you know, it has, it, I'm sure it isn't the first time it happened. Yeah, you know that the pyramids, the pyramids, which are what, they're about 5,000 years old. They were probably started like 100,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it just, it just went long, you know. And the pharaohs are like, I thought we'd be done by now. No, we're only up to the third <laughs> level. <laughs> uh, actually, actually, you know, the pyramids probably began when the pharaoh simply wanted to redecorate his kitchen. And uh, you know how that goes. It mm-hmm. evolves yeah. into a massive, massive thing. So, um, uh, let we end with uh, all of us sitting in the pool. Oh, the echo seems to be gone now. It's lovely. Um, we, we, all of us are sitting in the pool on Club Venus, uh, sitting around. You guys know what I'm talking about with this bar in the pool. Am I the mm-hmm. only one that knows? Okay. Oh, sure. No, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I, I saw it on Westworld. Honestly, I don't do, <laughs> I don't do any of these. Things. I'm not much of a partier. I saw it on Westworld. Uh, and we're sipping martinis. And we're toasting you, Dan of Colorado. Thank you for your fantastic if. You are a super ifer. Uh, actually, you've sent in so many ideas now. You're easily super duper ifer and perhaps super, super duper duper. duper. Well, we don't even know. Uh, we've got to go back and figure out your true high rank, but it is, it is impressive. Thank you for that. Um, also want to give a shout out to our Patreon supporters um, who uh, help this show keep going. Um, one of the things it did was help us get microphones, which was fantastic, which was great until now. And uh, <laughs> I think it's a, I think it's a temporary situation. No matter what, any microphone is better than no microphone. So, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, absolutely, uh, actually thank you for it, not just your uh, financial support, but your moral support. And, uh, just knowing that all of you Patreon members are out there supporting us is really, uh, uh, really helps us keep going every week. Um, if you're not a Patreon supporter, you probably are not sipping your coffee out of a mug with a What the If logo on it. You are probably not, uh, as uh, fall comes to the uh, Northern Hemisphere, you're probably not wearing a fine hoodie with the What the If logo on it. Hard if to you're imagine. in the, I can't imagine you, you aren't because you, you can only get those if you're a Patreon supporter. Um, what is Patreon? You never heard of it? Uh, it's a membership program kind of like uh, public broadcasting or something like that, or Kickstarter, if you heard of that. It's a very, very, very small amount. 
per month, you can get all kinds of gifts. And one of the things you also get is bonus content. We record uh, additional uh, episodes, extended episodes. So all the Patreon supporters get to listen to uh, further continuations of some of these outrageous scenarios. And they also get to find out what Matt and Gabby do uh, in their own, uh, in, their, in the world outside the if, which is hard to imagine. But uh, if you're, what is that? Well, become a Patreon supporter and find out. Patreon.com slash what the if. Um, Matt, do you have anything you want to plug this week? Anything coming up? Oh, um, no, I don't think so. All right. Gabby, anything? I am unplugged, as always. <laughs> All right. All right. I have a, a plug for the um, uh, uh, conference. The World... This is, this is a great name, by the way, for a conference that's coming up that I will be at. I've been invited to go attend and talk about artificial intelligence at. It is called the World Congress of Science and Factual Producers. <gasps> factual <laughs> producers? Factual. Wow. Now, fact, factual is actually... Kind of a, I wonder if it's getting adopted here. I, I believe it's more of a British term for what we here call reality TV. Maybe the, you know. Oh, I don't know. Could be. But uh, basically, Discovery Channel type stuff, people who make Discovery Channel type stuff, or science content like we do. Um, so the World Congress of Science and Factual Producers, which is coming up in Seattle from November 28th to December 1st. Um, check that out um, if you are a producer of uh, any kind of content. I know some of you out there are. Um, check it out for on its own merits. It looks like a lot of fun, and uh, I, I will be speaking on a panel there about AI. Should be fun. In fact, so the, you may or may not know if you know that what we had uh, we've had some celebrity guests on the program, including Mr. Spock, um, and who was brought to us uh, from uh, by courtesy of ChatGPT and some voice synthesis, some artificial intelligence whiz bang magic uh, allowed me to have Mr. Spock in the studio. And uh, someone from the conference uh, heard that, and they want me to bring Mr. Spock with me and show how we how we <laughs> did that. So that's going to be fun. Um, so look out for that, Gabby. Oh, did, <laughs> do you have anything coming up? Did I already ask you? You I'm already asked space. me. <laughs> it's Friday the thirteenth. I went through a time wormhole. Uh, I'm going to sip this coffee here. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Try to get the brain going. Hope you all have enjoyed this uh, spectacularly strange and weird episode. Patreon supporters. Uh, stay tuned. You'll be getting that additional content right there on your Patreon app. Um, and those of you who aren't Patreon supporters, check it out. Go go see what that thing is so you can find out what it is. Thank you all for listening. Um, and uh, Gabby, would you help us uh, with the uh, closing ceremonies where we attempt to restore the balance of the universe, which we have so rudely uh, messed with? Pluto goes back to where it was. I don't even know. How is that going to happen? Yeah. I mean, so as we are maybe dropped on the new surface of Venus, watching the carbon snakes, you know, pop and disappear and steam rise through the atmosphere and the oceans slowly fill. We can't help but crack out our first martini on the shores of a new home and shout, What the Thumbs up, everybody. Cheers. Adult Swim. I'll see you next week.